You're listening to The Lowdown, a podcast inspired by the creative people in the bass making community. I'm Frankie. I'll be sitting down with bass makers to explore what drives them creatively and to find out what challenges they face in business of bass. Let's find out what it's all about. Let's get The Lowdown. Hey, welcome to The Lowdown, presented by Best Bass Gear. Uh, I'm Frankie, and as usual, Eric is here, and we are super delighted and stoked to have uh, Kevin Brubaker of, Ke- of uh, Brubaker Guitars here today. So, hello, Kevin. Hey, how you doing? We're hanging in there. How about yourself? Uh, doing the same thing, building instruments and, you know, doing what we do. <laughs> awesome. So, at, at what point in your life did you decide, hey, I think I want to try building instruments? How did that come about? Well, I grew up in a, a music family, so both my parents are piano teachers, cool. uh, piano players. My dad was a church organist of the church we went to for like 47 years, I believe. Wow. And um, he's no longer, he's retired, but everybody in the family was always, I'll say, forced to play the piano. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a kid, you can't really appreciate it, especially when your parents are your teachers. But um, that, kind of, that was the background that we grew up in. And, you know, that led to playing trumpet that led to, you know, the whole thing you go through drums, violin, all that stuff in fourth and fifth grade. And then, you know, you continue on. And so I played piano up until like third grade, didn't like it. And then in fourth grade, trumpet was really cool. And I, you know, thought that that was what I wanted to do and started doing that. And then that that didn't uh, that sucked after a while. (laughs) It was like ninth grade rolled around and it wasn't cool anymore. Uh, I had a drummer friend that I hung out a lot with and a guitar player. And then, you know, that whole natural sort of progression, like I watched him and I go, hey, I like to play bass. So that's what I started doing. And that kind of led into the whole thing of what I'm doing now. But it's a very, very kind of long story. Ultimately, I had a guitar teacher slash bass teacher that was like a couple doors up from where I grew up in uh, York, PA. He was actually more of a guitar teacher than a bass teacher. And I didn't have a bass. So I wanted to take bass lessons. He's like, well, I have this old uh, SG bass and it had like two strings on it and it was kind of a mess. So I took it back home and he let me have it. I took it back home and I cleaned it up and, you know, Took it all apart and put it back together. And he was like, you know, that's, and I, I don't know what, I think it was like 11th grade I did that or something. Like that. And that's my, that was my first bass to learn on. So I started learning bass and I just got like hooked on that whole experience. We grew up on dirt bikes, tinkering with mini bikes, go karts, all that kind of stuff. And I was always ripping something apart. I think I built a snowmobile out of plywood when I was like five. That was kind of my inquisitive mind to start fooling around with bass guitars. I never really owned any more than two basses really in my whole career, like other brands, which were a Vantage bass and a Kramer bass. And both of those got torn apart, repainted, packed up, reshaped for the longest time until I figured out like, hey, I could build a body and hey, I could build a neck eventually. And I work construction work, like handyman remodeling service. So I was always grabbing their tools to try and make, do a route or something, you know, as I was learning the whole process way back then, because I didn't have anything just like everybody who starts it. And I never learned from anybody. I just, I figured it out the hard way. I could tell you stories about oh, I'm sure. uh, but that's kind of how it started it was something that, that just 
really, really grabbed my attention. And, you know, of course, I wanted to pursue the avenue of being a professional bassist and wanted to go to MIT out in California and do all that kind of stuff. But that never happened. So I played in rock bands and cover bands since probably like right out of high school and started playing professionally and making money at it. And that just kind of really, really was a thrill for me and a good learning process. And I just met a lot of people in the Baltimore area and players that inspired me. And I started getting into it, building one at a time. You know, when you make your first sale, that's that's like I can quit my day job. (laughs) My goodness. Little did I know. So making a business of it is a whole different ballgame, which, you know, I don't know. I just I was very hard headed about it and nobody could tell me no. Like, how long were you making instruments like for yourself or whatever before you decided like, hey, I should try you know, selling these to other players and maybe make a living doing this? It was the progression was basically I would work a full time job. I'd come home, drink a lot of coffee and then just get started in my basement or wherever I was, you know, sometimes it was like the laundry room. I remember way back when I was living in an apartment and uh, I converted the laundry room into a spray room. That was real smart. (laughs) It was like a a central laundry area for everybody. And I like plastic, you know, made put plastic walls up and started spraying down there because I needed a place to work. So basically I was, you know, working a full-time construction job. I started getting into playing music. And while I was doing that, I would start just digging into the whole process of making, first it was bodies. And then eventually I made my whole, a whole instrument and got really excited and started showing players around the area um, as I was kind of growing as a musician and getting to know the people. I didn't really grow up in this area. I grew up in York, PA, which was an hour and a half across the oh, yeah. Maryland. Nice. Yeah. So um, grew up right behind the actual Harley plant, Harley Davidson plant. Oh, cool. And music in that town, there was nothing but just heavy metal, hard, you know, just nothing. It was just, we all came down to Maryland and went to all the cool clubs because there was a lot of cool places to go. They're fun times and, you know, get all your buddies in the car. Oh, I've got to go see this band. So eventually I moved down here because I met somebody and got married and did that whole thing and uh, wanted to get out of the house fast in my teens. So I was about like 19, 20 and got down to Maryland and I just started like digging into playing music. And that's when I started meeting more people locally and uh, eventually got a house and I set up a shop in my basement and tried to get tools. And this is probably a very common story among uh, builders and how they go about doing it. But I was adamant about doing every piece and part of building the instruments um, and developing something unique about the instrument. Read a lot of articles, read a lot of Mike Tobias clips, Roger Sadowski, you know, all those guys, different joints and all kinds of stuff. So I read a lot, studied a lot, watched a lot of videos at the same time, tried to get my chops as a player and find myself as a player. So it's kind of all went hand in hand when I would try and make an instrument. And finally, when I've got something cool together and I have pictures, I was just looking through it today, a scrapbook of 
old pictures of the first bases that I made, I take them out and play them. And that was the coolest thing to do, man. I couldn't wait to get out and play the thing and see how it sounded. Well, that's the thing. You're kind of like your own research and development department, basically. And then people, other people but, actually get to see them too. But I mean, what better way to, uh, to, to really figure out, you know, what's going to work and what direction to go in than to actually like be using your instrument and figure out what you'd like to change about it, you know, the, the, to improve it. That's really great. Yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, it wasn't just all just me. It was players that were, that I respected locally that gave me that as well, the, that kind of feedback. So it wasn't all, wasn't all great, of course, which is necessary to, make things better and better you know there was one guy in the mix that was uh his name's michael shudo he's a local guy and uh he inspired me a lot because he was already kind of designing stuff for ibanez and they were he was working with some people he did a lot a lot of stuff with um not a lot but they you know through like brickenbacher got him to do some videos and he did some stuff for fender so there was kind of that support as well that kind of gave me a little guidance and then we have prs in our backyard paulie smith so that was a really big inspiration when i started kind of really sinking my teeth in when i was probably in my mid-20s and still playing and about 1999 i graduated in 83 and just did it as much as i could made stuff took it out and played it made another one if i could make two instruments three instruments, whatever the number is. And eventually, probably in like 1989-ish, I think I sold an instrument and that was really cool. And then people locally were starting to hear about some things. There's a lot of great musicians around here too. I don't know if you know. Uh, yeah, like, we have- Like Mike Pope's yeah, down there. Yeah, and... yeah uh, Rodney Skeet Curtis, Parliament Funkadelic, uh, Maceo Parker, Dennis Chambers, uh, Kevin Walker is a player. You probably know him. He's been around the, the, the tour of uh, all, you know, everybody from uh, Wilson Pickett to uh, uh, Justin Timberlake and Skip Dorsey. So all these guys were kind of essential in starting to hear about what was happening a little bit, if you want to say that. And eventually these guys would come over to my house. Kevin Walker is always coming over. You know, you know how it is—a fascination with instruments and yep. people. Yep. Um, no, so, no idea. No, <laughs> no idea. Yeah. yeah. So it's just that whole thing, that whole vibe, and it just kept getting kind of stronger and stronger through the years. And eventually, had some old some friends from high school that wanted to that heard about what I was doing and wanted to become business partners and. That was a whole experience, man, just getting together with people and not knowing anything about business, anything about incorporating, anything yeah. about finances. <laughs> so, so so I'm curious, how, how did you do that? How did I do it? Yeah. So how did you uh, work through that process of not knowing anything to setting everything up? Walk us through that. Learn. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, I'll try it. <laughs> so, uh having business partners and not knowing anything about that at the time was definitely a learning experience, especially when they're your, they were your friends. People have different views of businesses and how they're supposed to operate. But traditionally, you know, why you start a business? Why do you grow a business? You know, how much are your costs? What's your manufacturing time? Blah, blah, blah. All that kind of stuff started whacking me right in the face. 
And I knew nothing about it of, because I knew how to make a couple instruments out of my basement at the time. Yeah. But I didn't know how to make 10 instruments a month. Right. I knew nothing about how finishes work on. I knew nothing other than, you know, I had a little bit of a, uh, a name. I had something that people thought was cool. I had a product called Brubaker Guitars that they thought was cool. Brubaker Bass. And I was making a lot of guitars at that time as well. We started making both kind of. So we sort of did a kickoff with that and thought we were going to take over the whole world and industry. And within a year and a half, that failed. <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of interesting because I had a, one of the business partners was a financial whiz and Wharton Business School guy. And just I learned so much about that and could whip a business plan in like, you know, in, in a less than a day together and knew all about that stuff. I knew nothing about it, but I did learn and then, you know, extracted as much information as I could. Um, even though that whole situation didn't work out, I, I, I learned how to be a better tool guy or, you know, and learn more about processes through, because one of the guys was like a machinist and a sort of operations guy. We made a lot of instruments. We made a lot of cool stuff. And it's a shame it didn't work out because it could have been cool, but that's how things work. You know, I mean, business partners just, you don't, you got to know how people think and what their motive is. We all just were kind of short-sighted about the industry and how long it actually takes to grow a brand and what is a brand and what's marketing and all that kind of stuff. So there was a lot of things that you got to learn or else you're just, I mean, or else you're just going to be a solo guy building instruments you know in other words if you want to try and grow a company so i went from basically a onesie twosie kind of operation and i had already had at that point in time i had some dealers i started stepping into the nam shows and, and all that you know took some business partners on and then we kept moving it we got money you know i mean money came in like i couldn't believe how quick the finance guy could basically figure out how to incorporate the company and get shares from all his buddies that were stock market guys. And next thing you know, we have cash and my bills are paid. And, you know, I'm like, wow, this is great. But like I said, it, it didn't work out because we were just short-sighted about this whole business. And that's a big problem, I think, with builders, you know, that are starting because it takes a long time to grow a brand in this industry, as you probably know, correct? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's right though, right? I mean, yeah. there's, you know, business takes time. You know, you, you, you hear about these overnight successes, and what the reality is, is there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and mistakes along the way, you know, that, that helps you to refine your business, refine your brand, refine, you know, what you're passionate about and who your customer is, you know, and those are all the things that people don't talk about. And so what ends up happening is, is you, in, you know, you, you read about these overnight successes and, and, you know, people are super, you know, like, I don't know, you read it in the online or newspaper or something. And, you know, what they don't tell you is all of the, you know, all the work, all the heartache, <laughs> all the money you know, <laughs> that goes into, uh, into building something. And I, I have a lot of respect for people who take that leap. Right. You know, and even if, and it's not that you, you, you have to go and you have to be like a big success, right. And, and make it quote unquote, but you know, 
I have a lot of respect for people who make the, uh, you know, try, right. And, 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 you know, they're passionate about something and they, you know, they, they take those steps to sort of, you know, go and, and try to, you know, try to, try to tackle something like, you know, like what you did, you know, and, and we, we talk with a lot of people every day, you know, you know, base, uh, uh, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're players, maybe they are, you know, maybe they're just working on tinkering something in their garage or their basement, you know, and, and we talk with them like all the time. And we, we talk with them in these, you know, on this podcast a lot about, you know, it's funny, they, um, all the really interesting stories, uh, all kind of start the same way, which is, you know, Hey, I was just unsatisfied with this, you know, this sound I had. And I, you know, I sort of took it down and to the, or out to the garage and I started tinkering around with it. Right. And, you know, I ordered mm -hmm. some stuff and, you know, played around with it. And, you know, this is how I got the first thing. And then you sort of get the bug, you know, and then you go to the, you know, you go and do the next thing and maybe it's a little bit more, you know, challenging or whatever. And, and, and yeah. do the next thing. And, and so, but then, you know, doing that and then turning that into a business, you know, there's, you know, to, to be successful at it, you want to have people who are, you know, you sort of surround yourself with that are smart and capable and, and sort of help to, um, um, sort of compliment you where, Bro. you know, where you're weak, you know, and you want somebody else to come in and help, you know, strengthen the, um, your team. And it could be the business side, or it could be, you know, maybe, maybe you're a player and you have the business acumen, but you don't have the, you know, you're not the creative side of, you know, so you, you sort of want no one person's like everything. You gotta, gotta yeah. really good people around you that you trust. But yeah. when you do, when you start, you are the one person that does everything. <laughs> yeah. Meaning, yeah. you know, if you, yeah, you're, you're not an expert on everything. I get right. that. And that's why if you're going to grow and you're going to scale it, right. then you got to surround yourself with the people that know more about certain things. But still, as a, I can tell you from my experience that I got to wear all those hats and I still yeah. wear them all. I have okay. spread it out a little bit more now, but yeah, and it still needs to be spread out even more, but I still wear a lot of those hats. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a finance expert, but I do have, you know, a good accountant and, a, you know, so those are the next steps that we're working on right now so that we can scale it up even more nice. and, yeah. uh, and keep moving it forward. Yeah. In the early days, it's, it's a hard learning process. Yeah. And, you know, I, um, I didn't have any degree in, in anything, went to college for about a year of that and just said, yeah, this ain't for me. So, and then just decided that I wanted to, you know, be a, a self-employed person, do something. And this just, you know, thought that this was like, it, it went along with playing. And I thought if I couldn't make it as a player, I could definitely, you know, figure something out and, and make a product equally as good as anybody else doing it out there. And, you know, it takes time to do it. It, it, yeah. it does. I'm, you can easily get discouraged. I went through, you know, first set of business partners and about two years after they left, I had a fire that burned the whole shop down Good Lord. <laughs> in 2004. 
and that was that was a like a, a big wow like oh man now what so you know you're faced with either are you gonna ever you lose all your tooling you lose all your instruments you lose instruments that were for customers oh, you know and i'm not the only guy that this has happened to i think sheldon dingwall in the in- industry had a fire like real similar because you know and you know all the talk based guys were really cool about it and sent me a check and you know like oh. got together and sent me a 1500 dollars check or something like that for the whole that whole mess and you know oh. it was oh. it was a hard that was a hard one that was a hard yeah. hit yeah. And uh, I thought, yeah. oh, cool. You know, like Roger Sadowski sent me a, a check in the mail. He goes, well, it's not much. I said, but it's the it's the fact that you sent me that's a awesome. check. You know, you yeah. just did. Yeah. I, that was so cool. And these guys what, what were just really, really supportive. Yeah. Kevin, what year was that? That was the the fire happened in October 2000, 2003. Okay. And so that was, you know, lost. We lost everything. Okay. Um I think we found a couple router. I found a couple router bits that we still use, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it burned. It burned everything out, man. Yeah. And it started in, you know, mm. my office, um, which was everybody's like blaming themselves for that whole thing. But you know, we um, we retooled. I had uh, enough insurance money, not a lot, because you know, you you start going along, and the best thing that you can do is always go back and reevaluate what you have in your, your building because you have way more than you think you do. Yeah. Uh, but we had enough to get back and get started and I didn't miss a trade show. I I did the next trade show. I went to the NAMM show. Uh, All my customers gave me, you know, their instruments to fill the booth up after like, you know, puffed out of chest a little bit. That's, that's incredible. that's incredible. Cause yeah. I mean, from the time, it, and, uh, I mean, how long did it take you to go from like, Hey, this fire's happened to like, now you're working again. I mean, that, that, that that's, well, that's crazy. Wow. We, you know, you have to, you look at it and you step back and uh, yeah. it was nice to have a little bit insurance money that kind of got us through and um, gave us a little breathing room to, you know, build some new machinery. At that time I was contemplating, um, I had a machine shop I was working with and they were offering me space in their building to, you know, help CNC some of the parts and, and all that. And they, I, I can tell you so many stories I went through. It's like, you know, I moved all my stuff into their shop. And we were going to get this whole thing going and then that fell apart, but we were able to utilize their shop to make machinery. And I knew that if we, if we put our old pin router system together we could still make it work if we couldn't uh, sink the money into going, you know, a different direction with tooling. You know, there are so many points, like you said, growing a business, especially this business. Yeah. I don't know if I stepped into a situation where, you know, I think everybody goes through it. I'm not the only person, but I look back on the history of this and I go, my goodness, I could write a book on, on all the stuff that yeah, has maybe gone south. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I went from a fire to two partnerships that didn't work and growing with other people and moving forward all the while knowing that, you know, I had to pick it up and and redo it, pick it up and redo it, you know, after having people work for me and, you know, not working out and then, you know, sticking it out with the trade shows, 
spending all that money and not coming back with a single order, it's disheartening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, nobody in their right mind would do it. But I don't know. I just, you know, you have people that go, ah, you know, hang in there, man, keep doing it and keep, you know, so that's what I did. It's, it's what I knew and what I loved to do and what I wanted to do. So I kept pushing and pushing and kept in the trade shows and just kept going forward. And eventually I met other people and, you know, some other doors open and that's the way it happened. That's the way it worked. There's, there's way more to the story, probably more than you can put on this podcast. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really inspiring though, Kevin. I mean, I, I mean, I would hope that anybody listening to this who in similar circumstances, who, who is like, you know, come come up against obstacles, whatever they may be. And maybe you're like at a crossroads and thinking of like, maybe hanging it up or whatever, like, you know, listen well, to all the stuff you've I, been through and say, Hey, you know, I can keep doing this, you know, and just be resilient. So and persevere. on that note, <laughs> my partnership I had that had involved another business uh, in 2010. I took the, you know, I had, I had the fire and I had various shops after that fire. And then ultimately I put the, the whole, the whole making the whole business back in my basement and basically took over a small, you know, footprint of like less than a thousand square feet in the basement of my house um, that I had at the time. And this was back in, you know, after the fire. So it would have been like 2004. And then I, I reorganized everything, had some new tooling, bought some new machines and crammed everything into that basement, took it all over and said, now I'm going to work out of here. And I worked out of that basement for 10 years. Wow. And I had as many four to five guys working for me at the time. And then I started getting into an import line and growing with a dis- distribution partner on that and had a hundred or 150 units of those down in my basement. And it was like, it was like insane to know that we were putting out at least 50 custom instruments a year and, you know, growing an import line. And that's when it started growing a little bit more. So around 2010 or 12, I decided I got involved with somebody that saw value and maybe getting into another partnership. And uh, that grew in an interesting way. And it eventually went south as well. So at that point, I was facing eviction. <laughs> I had to get out of that job. Mm. So, man, my history, let me tell you something, guys. These guys laughed at it, and we all laughed at it, you know. But in t- it, it, there's some – I thought, like, nothing could – you know, I'm going to move out of here in 2015, 2016. They evicted us because we owed them too much money because the business partner that I had at the time was like scamming the money. Oh. And it wasn't, oh man, it was crazy. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's like $30,000. I'm like, huh? So he's like, ah, we'll forgive you. Just move out in two weeks. So we moved, I moved out. I lost everybody, like hit the road. Nobody was left. I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with this? So I put it in another location stored all my equipment and in 2016 worked out of a really, really old building. Yeah. And, uh, I met some people and at, at that point in time, I was ready to just walk away from it. I said, this ain't worth it. I, I had enough. And I basically, you know, I knew Paul Smith, Paul Reed Smith. Yeah. And I was basically going down to his, had a meeting with him and was asking him for a job. And, you know, He's like sitting there at lunch and he goes, sounds to me like you lost your passion. He goes, I think you need to get reacquainted with your passion. (laughs) Just like that. And I went, wow. 
So I came back and I got reacquainted with my passion. Then I thought nothing could happen. And then I got a call from the IRS saying I'm going to be audited. (laughs) (laughs) So then I, you know, had to go through all that crap. And, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to put this back together. So basically had to put it back together within the last like four years. And it has gone in a forward motion. I've gotten rid of all the bad stuff in the past, more or less. And I have a great team right now, guys. And uh, we are updating tooling and we're starting to kick some ass a little bit. That's really So, you know, yeah, there's a finger cut off story in there, too. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This real, I'm going to make this real short, but in that 2015 time frame, uh-huh. I was still sticking it out, going to the NAMM shows, getting everything ready, and my mind was not on my work. And um, the very day before I had to fly out to one of the NAMM shows in 2015, I, I, somewhere in that time frame, I cut off my finger on the joiner. I mean, literally just, you know, uh, flipped, and that was the worst. Yeah. So I spent... 13 hours in the hospital. Somebody hit us on the way back from that whole endeavor. And then I had to go through that mess and then got all my stuff packed up. Uh, You know, one of the guys that's working with me now, he took me to the hospital, did all that thing, and then picked me up in the morning, got me on a plane, got out to California with a cast on my arm and didn't miss a beat. We're walking through the trade show last year. And Mark, the guy, Mark Snyder, who works with me, started chatting with this guy who, you know, we were trying to get in the back entrance of the Hilton. Yeah. And uh, we couldn't get in. They had a lot. I'm going, what's this about? This is weird. So here comes a guy in a suit walking up with a badge on. I'm going, ah, he can get us in. So Mark chats with him as we're walking through the Hilton. He lets us in. And the guys, Mark's like, for some reason, just telling him, talking, talking his ear off. Turns out to be Joe Lamont, the president of NAM, And so he's listening to the mark and he's like talking to us. And I'm like, you know, we're trying, we're ready to go grab a drink and like, come on, man. So we're all chatting with Joe and Joe's like interested in this story. Mark's telling him about me cutting my finger off and not missing a beat and going to the NAM show the next day, getting on a plane. So here comes Joe, the last day of the trade show down to our booth. I'm like, you know, I thought he was coming down and looking around with the sound police like on us. And I'm like, hey, Joe, can you help us out? He goes, I'm down here to see you guys. And I said, why? He goes, because I figure anybody that can make it to the trade show after cutting their finger off is a worthy person to come and visit. Mm, wow. He goes, because so many people that can't make it and they cry the blues and all this kind of stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's very so, cool. Yeah. you know, it's just kind of like you just keep moving forward man you just got to keep moving forward and that's my story we keep moving forward and it's you know hopefully we'll pay off and we build uh some other product lines and you know we have some new cnc machines and i got some great people in the shop and i wish i could take you through on a video and let you see everything but maybe do that for the next time that'd be that'd be really cool that'd be very cool that's a pretty inspiring story. It, it really is. And you have a lot of people that are going to listen to this and be like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to look at, you know, what I'm passionate about and, you know, it sort of gets somebody over the hump, you know, in terms of 
getting out there and, and actually pursuing that, you know, and, and it's, you know, it is a, I mean, a lot of it is a just grit and determination and saying, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to give up. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool just to hear, hear you tell the story. That's pretty awesome. Oh, indeed. And to be perfectly honest, I mean, you, you know, you even contemplating, you know, you know, maybe, maybe I am done with this after everything you had been through, uh, I mean, who wouldn't, but the fact that you just kept that, I mean, that just tells me, uh, you know, just how passionate you really are about this, that you're willing to just like, you know, keep doing this. And now it's you new, know, now it's working the way, you know, the, the way you had hoped it would work. And it would be a real shame because like, you've got some really cool designs. I mean, like your bases are just like, you know, I see a brubaker, you, know, you know, it's a brubaker base as soon as you see it, you know, and it'd be a real shame if that wasn't in the world, you know? So that's, that's really, just really it's a, it's, a, it's a shame you're not such a positive guy, you know. I mean, that's just been a... <laughs> <laughs> and that positive attitude moving forward. Um, you have to do it. I mean, it's it's a it's an industry that's a very, you know, it's saturated to some degree, and it's. Um, I mean, the first, you know, some of the people that I met in this this industry that uh, have been in it a long time. You know, one my distributor. Now that was my distributor for the first import line we did, and still sells, you know, AP International, um, Floyd Rose products. Yeah, you know, any. Um, so yeah, Andy's been in the industry since the Kramer days and seen it all. And you know, so hearing those stories and hanging out with him and, and growing a import line, you, you know, you meet some some people that um, take you down a road that you wouldn't. You know, growing an import line and and seeing China manufacturing and all kinds of stuff is a whole different ballgame. He was a guy that became my distributor, but in the very beginning when I met him, he's he's like, come on up and uh, come on up to my office in New Jersey and let's have a meeting and you know you can ask me anything you want. Uh, like 19, 1997. <laughs> And the first questions were out of his mouth were, so uh, why do you want to build instruments? <laughs> Knowing how hard the industry is, how much time it takes to grow a brand, how all the, the everything and struggles builders go through, you know, he just, that was his first, like, why do you want to do it? I said, you're not going to talk me out of it. So that's just how it was. And I was adamant about that. But there was a point where I did feel like just going south and like just pretend about it all. What, what do you think the driving, like in terms of like, what, what is it about it that, that, you know, does drive you to do it, I guess, is my question. Um, determination to make it work. Yeah. To grow an operation and support people that are as equally as passionate about it and make sure that they make a good paycheck and they do what they want to do and love to do. Why people want to do this, I'm not 100% sure sometimes, but my social media guy right now, current social media guy, probably the best one I've ever had in the mix, is an old bandmate of mine. We played in a band back in 1990. Yeah, I have a whole, I was going through the scrapbook today with him, sending him pictures and stuff. So he's like, you know, come full circle. He went to a NAMM show last year, his first NAMM show. And we all had like a great time. And he walked away from it. He goes, I know what I want to do for the rest of my life now. He goes, this is what I want to do. So he wants, it's what he wants to do. And that's what these guys want to do. They want to be involved in making instruments. 
you know, everybody's played in a band. Everybody still continues to play and just passionate about music and trying to make this thing work as a, a unit and a brand. Everybody, I don't know. I don't know what to say. You just can't talk them out of it either. Right. <laughs> so I'm determined, in other words, to make it work on a level that we can support and grow a company, support the employees and grow a company and and everybody makes a good paycheck. I don't care if it's a five-man show or, you know, whatever it needs to be. As long as everybody's happy making a great pay- paycheck and we're, we're growing whatever percentage a year uh, or just growing, you know, and, and making, making a living at it, doing what we love to do. So, yeah. So I got a good team of people right now. You can march them all in when we have some video. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, we we're still, definitely need to do yeah. another one where it's a video. We can, yeah, we can see the see you in the, the shop, shop and, the, and yeah. the rest of the guys. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's do that. The shops kind of we're just kind of reorganizing it so we can make it really flow. We just got two uh, CNCs in the shop, and I know nothing about that. And I hired a guy, and then he had to go because he had to move to Texas. And he goes, "Don't worry," he goes, "I got a new guy." He goes, I got a guy, you know, is really better than me. He knew everything about the machine and everything about CAD and everything about, you know, what needed to be done to to convert the tooling from, you know, the antiquated uh, pin router systems to um, to a new way of making instruments. And so far, he's programmed all like three or four models. We have a long way to go yet, but. It's it's it definitely is an interesting way of, of making things. I will throw out there that it does not take away any of the hand built parts oh, of this. No. This thing is made hand built through the whole process. It's just that we can we can conserve our energy for other more important Indeed. operations and keep our fingers safe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's been a been a real cool. Uh, endeavor in the last few months so we're kind of now ramping up even again well i mean you you sound like you're happy and it sounds like you really enjoy what you do so that tells me you did the right thing right there i mean that's how i kind of you know judge it in my little world you know so uh, i'm happy because i'm having a shot of vodka (laughs) (laughs) no that's funny um but yeah it, it is it's you know um everything's it's it's weird how business is right now people are buying instruments and uh yeah we're you know with all this craziness out there we're still we're still moving forward and we have bit you know good business and we're still creating some new stuff so that's what we want to keep doing we want to keep um doing what we do you know what we've already made and create new models and keep moving in that direction and wherever it goes you know seems That's like everybody's cool. on the bus in other words yeah i mean g- g- cool. g- given everything you've been through to get to this point i mean do, do you like feel like no- nothing can beat you at this point <laughs> i mean that's <laughs> you must feel a little bit invincible well, by now right <laughs> i'm not invincible of course no, but no, nobody no. is i'm in a good place like i said we've retooled some stuff and we're making some progress and being able to make it work in the capacity of a business working like i unenvisioned it should so it said i got a good crew of people and uh i'll give them a shout out uh mark snyder chris bavaria eric turner 
and Ben Torres and Mark Scott's the social media guy. So without them, we couldn't be doing what we're doing right now. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. It's, it's going to be great for you too. You have like these, these guys, these trusted people who, who do what they do really well. It must, it must be great for you and that you can, especially when you're thinking of like developing new, new product and that sort of thing to be able to just like, you know, devote, you know, energy to you know like coming, coming up with a design or something as opposed to like you know have you know having to be like spread even more thin you know it's gonna be that's what yeah it is it's uh it's it's really cool to see that you know i mean like you said i really know nothing about the computer side of things doing cad drawing or uh <laughs> cnc and uh it's a learning experience so i am very fortunate have an individual that's uh, working with us, you know, like right out of the gate. I've been doing it for so long and grew the brand, but you know we are branching into helping other people build their product. Yeah. I was going to well. ask about so, that too, actually, because I, I had read. Uh, in fact, I might have read it in a Nam article. Honestly, I can't remember where I read it now, but I, I read that you were building the instruments for Ken Smith. Is that true? Yes, that's that is true. That so. Uh, Ken's no stranger to doing that because that's kind of how he's done a lot over the years and work with different builders gotcha. um, or they work with him. I jumped in with TP and just started figuring out how to build his stuff. And that was a whole, that's a whole other oh, conversation. Sure. <laughs> yeah. oh, complete, completely different than your stuff. That's for sure. You know, where, you, where you've got that. Yeah cool long neck uh, bolt on thing going on and he's got the neck through thing going on and it is. Totally different. Uh, so i i built a couple for him um the way that we do it and brought them to him and you know he's like okay and so next thing you know we're you know it was almost like everything stopped in the process because you know his his main guy i think his name was eric passed away and uh I, i'm not 100 percent on that you know and things mid-built so we kind of had to pick up in mid-build parts necks and bodies and that was even more of a challenge in starting fresh and then eventually then we got the tooling and that was trying figuring out the tooling and hook all that up man walls and things and electric lines were being moved so fast in here to try and make space and figure that out and then we basically got to a point where we said you know what so through the the efforts of uh the sba and COVID got a little bit of a, a, a loan to, not much, but a little bit. And I just said, you know what? We're just going to dive in. We're just going to get what we need to do to, to re-amp our tooling process. So that's what we did. And, um, yeah. And, you know, I just got, I, I said, I'm fortunate that I have a, a, a one, one of the best guys I've seen around that knows how to program and, and draw and, and has just you know, helped us tremendously to get to this, this point we're at. So yes, we're, we're starting to change kind of everything, but, um, and it's just an effort so that we can kind of make more, more stuff, um, and faster and get the process. It's just like any manufacturing kind of operation. So we're taking it from a small custom level, of course, to see where we can go with it. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know what the future predicts for us, but, so far, people are buying instruments and 
you know, we're going to ride with it and yeah. keep doing well, what we love. And if we have to well, make furniture, we can always make furniture. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, that's the great thing is like you've set yourself up in such a way that it seems like it sounds like, you know, in terms of machinery and like like you're capable of, you know, whatever you know, comes down the pipe, you know, you're, you're able to just say, yeah, we can do that, you know, and just hit the ground. Can, it's, yeah. It's amazing how much faster you can do it and how much more accurately you can do it. So, you know, taking on the Smith project with Ken and uh, I just saw, I didn't see any negatives. I saw more value in it than, than anything, how it could potentially enhance both brands, you know, I don't have anything to do with Ken's sales or anything. Ken directs all that. All we do is we have tooled the process so that we can build what he wants us to build. Basically build him batches of instruments and we deliver, hand deliver them and have meetings with them. And we did a trade show last year together and it's interesting. It's fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's, so we that's... have people now contacting us to want to build parts and stuff. So we may get into some of that, but we're not a big enough. We're not a production shop. We're still a custom shop. Sure. Well, great. I mean, that, that that's probably as good of a place as any to, to wrap it up, I think. I mean, gosh, we covered a whole lot of ground. It's yeah, great. Yeah. Thank you so much for so, coming on, Kevin. This is so yeah, great. You guys uh, yeah. are seemingly, extre- well, it seems like you're extremely successful with uh, Best Base Gear and uh wish you much much success with all that you know uh people people know who you are and you definitely got your name out there so yeah well yeah i, I always kind of joke that I, i'd have to bore somebody else with all this stuff if i didn't get to talk to bass players all day <laughs> you know well <laughs> i i think i i think that's you know i mean i think it's there's some similarities, right? I mean, we've, you know, we've sort of powered through COVID, you know, over the last, uh, last year and, and, uh, or nine months, I guess. And, you know, we've, we've certainly yeah. had ups and downs just like every, every business does. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, if you're, if you're working hard and you're trying to do right by, you know, your customers and your, your employees and, and, you know, just trying to be, trying to be smart, make, make prudent decisions, you know, along the way, I mean, it, you know, usually, works out. So, uh, we're, we're very, uh, very fortunate, very blessed that way, but, uh, Kevin, it was awesome having this. I mean, I, I honestly, I was listening to this conversation. I know I didn't say much, but you know, I just had such a blast listening to you. And I know, I know, uh, a lot of the listeners to the podcast will. So this is an amazing story. We're definitely gonna have to have you back. Well, uh, we'll look forward to it. Let's, uh, let's have a good uh, 2021. Absolutely. Hey, everybody. If you'd like to hear more from bass players, builders, techs, uh, just head over to our blog at bestbassgear.com slash ebase. Or if you want to hear more uh, and listen to some of the podcasts like this one, you can just search for Best Bass Gear's The Lowdown. Uh, if you'd like to just please, please just take a uh, five seconds. And if you'd like this show, if you want to support us, uh, I just have one simple request. Uh, please just take five seconds and click on the like or the follow button or leave us a five-star rating. Uh, just share this video or tag somebody that like to hear it. Uh, you know, we just helps us to get the word out. Uh, thank you so much. We're super excited. Frankie and I are working really hard on, on, putting these things together and, and giving you uh, lots of, uh, of interviews just like this one. Um, we just need to get some, uh, 
get some love out there in order to to get this podcast surfaced and uh, people can find us on the on the various podcast channels, whatever you guys use. Uh, super excited again. Thank you, thank you. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>